Jesus uh, often taught through the use of agricultural metaphors. And today we're going to enter into one of those accounts where he's trying to convey something about spiritual reality through telling a story that's based out of, I guess, physical reality. And so he's, he's taking a, um, a reality that all of the people in his audience would be familiar with and then relating it to what it means to be the church. And so we're going to pick up in the 8th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to read verses 4 through 15. And then I'm going to jump to a couple other places in the New Testament that pick up this idea of multiplication. And we're going to then kind of talk about what it means for us as a church. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he he said, I'm sorry, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. I want to jump to uh, 2 Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul is talking to a small church that's gone through a lot of struggles, but they have uh, pooled some of their resources to make a gift to, uh, to some people, some poor people in another church. And Paul is sort of talking about this principle of taking care of each other in the church. And he says this in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And then just a few verses later, Paul says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food 
will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Then if I may uh, jump to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, for one more uh, installment of the value of multiplication. Uh, Paul says here, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men, who will also be qualified to teach others. When I was in uh, seminary, I took a class called Pastoral Theology. And as a part of that class, one of the assignments was to go and observe the session meeting, the Board of Elders meeting, at a church of which I was not a part. So I called a church and got their permission to come and observe their session meeting. Um, It was a rather bizarre evening because there was this kind of power struggle going on in the church and their pastor had recently passed away and there was this void of leadership and um, bad, bad things happen when uh, people rush into those voids. Uh, And so it was a rather tumultuous evening, Um, but uh, just about every session meeting I've ever been to includes a budget report. And so the treasurer, you know, lays out the budget, the numbers, and how we're doing, and where things are. And um, this church... uh, primarily because of their loss of a pastor, was just hemorrhaging people and money. And uh, they were a rather large church, and so they had a lot of expenses. They had a lot of staff. They had a lot of problems. And uh, so at the end of the budget report, you know, somebody, somebody pipes up with an idea as to basically what needs to be done about this terrible budget situation and then it got interesting isn't really the word uh, hairy might be a better word um, as opinions began to uh, be thrown across the table and all of this to say it was it was uh, both eye-opening as you know so, you, so seminary is kind of this ivory tower place and you learn about Jesus and how nice he was and how wonderful he was and you think when you go into ministry oh this will be great I'll be the pastor of the church and it'll be wonderful everyone will be nice and everyone will be sweet and we'll all have harmony and unity and we'll all agree and we'll hold hands and we'll pray and it'll, it'll be great right and then they you know, throw me to this uh, board meeting at this really struggling church, and there was none of that ivory tower idealism being displayed that night. It was it was uh, eye opening. Was it was ugly in some ways, um, but I'll never forget the the dialogue between two of the men on the board. And one of them said, you know, we need to do everything we can 
to conserve our resources and um, basically, I, I'm paraphrasing here, and hold on for dear life. And this other elder piped up and he says, if that's, if that's all we've got is a, a vision for holding on for dear, dear life and circling our wagons and there's no purpose beyond that other than survival, we need to just shut our doors and call this thing uh, done. Because God didn't call us to just sit here in fear. And the whole room was silent. And uh, somebody else uh, motioned that they table the discussion for next time. And they went on to another agenda item. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been anywhere where they use Robert's Rules of Order, but uh, the tabling of something is, is one way to kill it, right? The guy who spoke up, both of them were right. You know, there, there is a time in one's journey where you must just circle the wagons and hold on for dear life. We've been there. Um, but if that's all you can see, if you can't see the purpose beyond that, uh, you're lost. You're, you're, you're not really going anywhere. There's no point in holding on. And I was rather struck by this one voice in the room who was able to say, you know, we serve a big God, and he's bigger than this problem. And I think he wants us to be looking beyond all of this, even while we're dealing with it, to look beyond it to what it is he wants to do in our midst. And as I use that as an introduction, I do so because this core value of multiplication is probably the first one to go when things get tough. It is very, very easy to look at any situation and say, we better uh, conserve, we'd better be careful, we'd better draw back. And Jesus is essentially saying, take my word and get it out there and, and broadcast it, so to speak. It's actually where the term comes from, if you ever wondered that. Broadcasting and radio is an agricultural term for a way to spread seed. But uh, So what is Jesus saying to us? What was he saying to his disciples? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for his church to live by this value of multiplication? Um, first... I would begin with sort of the, the main point that Christ is making, that we are to be generous with God's word. I think most of the teaching I've heard on this parable ends up focusing in on, well, don't you want to be good soil? We should all be good soil. Well, I think that's a given, right? That's That would be good. That's okay, nothing wrong with that. But I think Jesus is making a much bigger point than we just need to be good soil for his word. If you look at verse 8, 
Jesus tells you the point of the parable. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, yielded a crop, a hundred times more than what was sown. Jesus is trying to get our minds beyond uh, ourselves and even whether or not we are good soil to see what he is capable of doing in his kingdom in terms of the growth and expansion of his kingdom. Um, But first and foremost, we are called to be generous with God's word. Um, That, of course, begins with this call to be good soil, to soften our hearts and to be soil that absorbs the message of grace and soil that abides in the message of grace. Let me take you to verse 15 where Jesus explains the parable. He says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So he wants us to absorb his word, to take it in to ourselves, to who we are, and to abide in the message of his grace. So that it's not just a, you know, the gospel is not something we just do once. It's something that we are continually drawn back to. That he is continually tilling the soil of our hearts and preparing us for what he has in store for us. We're to soften our hearts if we want to be generous with God's word, and we are to spread the word. Jesus says the seed is the word. It's the word of God. That's what I'm talking about. That's the point of the message, is to show others what God has shown you. And so to the extent that God has shown you his grace, you are to reflect that to the other people in your life. To the extent that God has shown you his forgiveness, you are to reflect that to the other people in your life. To spread his word by showing others what God has shown you. And embedded in this is a call to not worry about the results. God does not want us worried about the results. Well, here, here's, here's, the, here's the image. Okay, so I'm, I'm standing there with this, with this bag of seed that I am to sow as the farmer. And am I to be careful about where it goes and, and, and tedious and, and worried about spilling some? Or am I to be casting the seed and letting it fall where it may? And there's a huge difference between these two types of sowing, if you will. What Jesus is saying is, take my word and get it out there. Throw it everywhere you can, every way you can. Express my grace, my love, my heart to others. Period. Um, So, there's this call inherent in this parable to be generous with God's word. And then, there's a call in these scriptures to be generous with God's resources. This whole discussion that Paul is having with the church in Corinth is all about this 
tension in the church. So he has this struggling church in Corinth, and he has this church in Jerusalem that has undergone unbelievable persecution. And many of the men in the church in Jerusalem have either been imprisoned, exiled, or killed. And so there's a, a, an inordinate number of widows and orphans in the church in Jerusalem. And Paul is kind of from there in a way. Uh, he used to live there. And so he's very concerned about the poverty and the, and the worsening state of the Christians in and around Jerusalem. And so he writes to these outlying churches also you know, in other countries at the time. And he says, um, be generous. We need your help. And it's not, the Christians in Jerusalem were not even Paul's church. It wasn't like Paul was asking money for his cause or his purposes. It was a situation of which he was aware was, was critical. And so he's talking to this young church in Corinth, and he is essentially saying to them, be generous with God's resources. Um, let's just break that down for a minute. Paul is saying, I know, I know that you're a small church, I know you're struggling, and I know you're tempted to circle your wagons and pull everything and hold on to your resources. I know that that's the tendency, that is the human tendency. And Paul says, I want you to completely change your outlook on the kingdom of God from, from this to this, from this drawing back into this spreading out. And God says, or Paul says to this young church, you must get past your sense of self-preservation. And this is true for all of us. This is absolutely true for every single one of us. What is our native tendency when threatened to protect, to defend ourselves, to preserve what we have so it doesn't uh, get taken? Okay? And Paul says, I know that's the way the human heart is conditioned to respond to situations. But we're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about a completely other reality. And I want you to change your outlook to get past this idea of self-preservation. Do you remember there's a parable that Jesus tells about the talents and one guy gets, I don't know, five, another guy gets three, and another guy gets one. I'm just making these numbers up off the top of my head, but you're with me, right? So the guy that gets a bunch, he goes out and, and invests it. He takes risks and he invests it because the guy who gave it to him is going to want him back later. Do you remember this story? Have you heard this one before? Okay. So the guy that gets a lot goes out, he invests it, he gets a good return on his investment. The next guy with about you know, the medium amount, he goes out, does the same thing, gets a return on his investment. The guy who just got one, do you remember what he did? He buried it. He did this. He said, I better preserve this. I better protect this. Which of those guys gets rebuked by Jesus? The guy who did the self-preserving thing, who said, I better not take any risks. 
because I know this guy who loaned me this money, and he's tough. So I don't want to upset him. I'm not going to take any risks. So he you know, put it under his mattress, essentially, and gave it back to him when he called for it. And Jesus said, no, no, that's not it at all. Take it away from that guy and give it to the guy who took all the risks. Give it to the guy with the most guts. That's the value I want in my kingdom. Someone who's willing to take the risk. We want to get past our self-preservation and we want to move toward trusting God more fully. This is the dance of faith. To learn to trust God rather than our own abilities. We have to change our outlook on our entire life if we are to be generous with God's resources. And we are to exercise our faith. That is, to give to others as God has given to us. Um, Just recently, when we moved into this building, we had a, a sound system that you know, we used to haul in and out of Bush Middle School every Sunday. Um, that, the money that bought that original sound system did not come from this church. It came from other churches who made contributions to help Hope Church get started. And so that wasn't our equipment. Um, so what did we do with it? We gave it away. We didn't sell it. We didn't put it on Craigslist and try to see how much money we could get for it because the idea is to give away what has been given to us. And so there's a little church down in the valley uh, whose pastor was a music major, and he now has... I don't know, several thousand dollars worth of used, beat-up sound equipment. And so we pull the old sound trailer up in front of this storage unit in the valley, and we're on the, we've got the youth on the missions trip thing going on, and a couple of us went over there, and we unload all the sound equipment into this storage unit somewhere in Mercedes, Texas. I am giddy because we're done you know, all the stuff we'd been hauling in and out of that building all those years is now somebody else's problem, right? Hector, the pastor of the church in Mercedes, he looks at me with tears in his eyes. And he says, I never thought we would have anything like this. And I said, so you're happy that I just dumped all this on you? He's like, I can't even describe how I'm feeling right now. I said, well, Hector, it would be a close race as to which one of us is happier right now. You know? Um, The point is, God gives, and we are to reflect that in the way we, we make decisions in the church, in our personal lives. We're to say, I, I can bless because I've been blessed. I can extend myself because Christ extended himself for me. I can begin 
to think and act differently, to exercise my faith by giving others what God has given to me. Because the more I stretch, the more I grow. There is a uh, truth about what Paul is saying. It, how do I explain this? You know, there, there are a ton of churches out there, right? I mean, San, when Hope Church got here, San Antonio needed another church like it needed another Whataburger, okay? Um, but what makes us different? Why are we here? And when we think about that, there's, well, there's, there's n- a number of answers to that question, right? And most of you, because you've been here for a while, you intuitively get that. You wouldn't be here if that answer, if that answer was not real to you, okay? But in, in any church you go to, this one or any other one, there's always this, this issue of spiritual growth. How do we grow a person's soul? All right? Um, I cannot, it is biblically impossible for me to chart out a plan for the growth of your soul. We as a church can put things around you that will facilitate your growth, but you're kind of like a seed, right? And that growth is going to be a factor of what God is doing in your life. But what Paul is saying when he's talking to this church in Corinth is if, if you want to grow, nothing will grow you more than sacrifice, than struggle, than the exercise of your faith. Now, that doesn't make for a very good uh, plan to put in front of a church, right? Okay, we want you to grow spiritually, so we're going to have you struggle and sacrifice and experience pain. Um, So I'll just go out on a total limb. You ready? Are the two of you closer to God this year than you were last year? No question. Have you struggled greatly? Yeah. Now, Would I wish that struggle on anyone? No. But God shows up in the sacrifice, the struggle, and the agony of life. And our faith is exercised and activated. We are moved and grown. And Paul says this is the stuff where we, our souls, are multiplied. When we are generous with God's word and generous with God's resources... And he also calls us to be generous with God's people. Um, How do I explain this? In 2006, I had an associate pastor here at Hope named Darden Kaler. And Darden started to get this bug. It's more like a disease when, when a person thinks that God is calling them to plant a new church somewhere. And because of the nature of my relationship with Darden, he did the stupidest thing 
that an associate pastor could possibly do when he's thinking about planting a church, he told his senior pastor, right? And there's tremendous risk there because if the senior pastor does this self-preservation thing, uh, then, then it's over. You know, that, that working relationship, anyway, is over. Um, but because we were a church plant that got started because God put that disease into my heart, I could, I could tell what it was. And it was, the, the choice was clear. You know, either, either I, I do the self-preservation thing and try to keep Darden here, in which case no one is happy, or I do this, and I say, great. Where do you want to go? Where is God calling you to go? How can we help? And that was a difficult transition for our church to, to lose our right-hand man, so to speak. Um, but God was calling. And are we going to support that and be generous with our human resources or are we going to go into the self-preservation mode? In our call to be generous with God's people, we are to invest ourselves in others. We are to be looking around the church at who is ahead of us and who is more recent in their journey. We're to find a mentor. Um, if I can just lay out a compliment to our, our women's Bible study currently, there's a lot of that going on right now. Um, I was at a, at a, one of, at a was, you know, talking to one of my kid's teachers this weekend, and she says, well, what do you do? I'm like, oh, here we go. I said, well, I'm a pastor. She goes, oh, where? And I told her. She goes, well, and she's, she's probably 35. I'm just guessing-ish, okay? She says, are there, are there any women in your church that are older than us? I said, yeah. Yeah, there are. She goes, because in my church, everybody's young, and I've got younger women who are looking up to me, but I don't have anybody that I look up to. And, you know, how do we do that? Or what? And so the rest of the conversation was about this very thing. How do, you, how do you cultivate both ends of this mentor relationship where you find people who are farther along than you are? Here, here's how you find that person. All right? you, you look around at the other people in the church and you say, who do I... Who do I want to be like? Who do I want to be more like? I want to be more like Jim, or I want to be uh, whatever, okay? Um, and then you look around and you say, okay, who's, who's newer to this? Who do, I, who do I relate to? Who do I look at and go, I've been there, all right? And that's the root of this, of this calling that Paul is giving to us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Find your mentor and pass it along. There's two sides to this equation. We should all have people that we're connected to who are beyond us, 
and people to whom we are connected who are not quite as far along as we may be. Invest yourself in others and then let them go. Just as we as a church, we didn't just let Darden go. We, we sent him to Missouri with, I think it was about $100,000 of our own money. Wow, I didn't know it was that much. I need to call him. <laughs> okay. Well, we let him go. And we get behind them as they replicate and multiply the way God intends for his church to expand. Person to person. Not through programs, not through plans, through people. Through the human heart. One touching another. We let God's people go to invest themselves in others as God has called us to invest ourselves in them and in order to grow God's kingdom. So here's where the value of multiplication comes full circle for us as a church. What if, what if in spite of all of us, God starts filling these chairs to the point where it's just too crowded in here. Yeah, woohoo! What are we going to do with that blessing? All right, are we going to are we going to do this? All right, it will be. Uh, let me tell you. Okay, I've been I've been talking about hope planting another church in San Antonio since before we got here. All right, we haven't pulled that off here yet. Okay, But it will be very tempting when we finally have enough critical mass to not be paralyzed over whether we're going to be able to pay our bills every month. It will be really tempting to just keep that going. To just do this. All right? And I don't know how big is too big for Hope Church. I don't know the answer to that question. Here's what I do know. That if God blesses us in that way, part of our calling is to multiply. To take what he's given us and give it away. To let go and allow God to work to expand and grow his kingdom. Um, we asked this question at, uh, at Discover Hope, our new members class, how big is too big for, for Hope Church? And here's the best answer I've ever received. Somebody just looked up and went, when you're too big to just break down and have lunch together after church. I went, that's a great answer. You know, it's, it's not a number. It's a, it's a culture. When we become too big for the culture of our church to function, then we need to look at paying it forward, if you will. Um, giving away, multiplying the kingdom of God. I don't know what problem we're going to have next. I do know that Jesus wants us to look beyond our, our myopic view of our problems and see that his desire is to multiply his grace in this world.
And he wants to use us to do it. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would change completely the way we look at ourselves, at your word, at your resources, and at your people. And Lord, as you, as you change our perspective, um, lead us into the exercise of our faith that we might be willing to sacrifice and even suffer for your sake. And Lord, that in that, as we grow, that your kingdom would grow and it would expand. And that we would be a people who can sow generously in this world. In your son's name we pray. Amen.